pain pushes us to move on. If there's anything I've learned in life is that there's a lesson in all the wounds that we let fester. I come from immigrants who dared to live their life, to make a change so powerful that it grounded a legacy in the privileged American soil. Decisions like this don't come from an easy, breezy, beautiful life. Decisions like this stem from the saddest moments of misguided childhoods and loneliness. However, it doesn't take abuse and trauma to always trigger the urge to escape. We dim our lights in order to avoid criticism. We numb with whatever substance we are comfortable enough to putting in our bodies in order to escape the reality of loneliness and disconnection. But when we try to escape the pain, we escape the opportunity to live. We gatekeep ourselves from happiness because it's too new. It's the unknown. It's the opportunity to be seen. But allowing us to be seen is the key. My parents saw each other in New York City in 1985, and it stemmed a legacy that I am so proud to live on and carry on. Seeing their decisions allowed clarity for me to roadmap my life and where I'm going. So to their boldness, I'm grateful. And to life, I'm ready. It's quite strange, yet a common phenomena, being a loner, outcast, whatever you call it in your own homeland. And in my case, to feel so different because I enjoyed Beyonce, not for a sex appeal, but because I felt empowered by the strength of her femininity. Or my hobbies, including dizzying spins, somewhat matching the dulcet tones of whatever girl group I was obsessed with at the time. But for so many of us, isn't this the queer experience? I remember locking myself in rooms to hide the conversations being held with my fellow queer peers, discussing the impact of Lady Gaga or somehow justifying that we weren't like the other members of the LGBT community. And I wish so bad something would happen that would allow me to be the makeup artist or creative directors who knew you needed artistic ability. But they were allowed to prance gaily in that world of beauty and fashion, and it was okay to be who you wanted no matter what. That, however, wasn't the reality of the queer boy from the South. But who do I blame? The belief in an all-knowing being that led to the marginalization of my people? The toxic masculinity and fear that slavery bred within the black American culture? Or just myself for spending most of my life being afraid to express who I really am? More importantly, what about people besides myself? The vast billions who hide in fear to this day in the city, in your state, in their country, in our world, all because of who we love or choose to live? But as Paul Lawrence Dunbar famously wrote, we wear the mask, so when do I take off mine? Okay, okay, whoa, whoa, Holiday, wait, hold on, hold on, Holiday. Hello, hello, I'm feeling much better. It's Nunu Parish, y'all. You got it, y'all. It's Wait, Don't Do It, the UK edition, bitch. It's Rafi. How are we doing today? And this is Wait, Wait Don't, Don't Do, Do it. it, the show we tell you to wait. Stop doing that British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. I love it, though. What am I, you know, portraying something's wrong snatch game of David Attenborough, whatever his name is. Why am I doing that, Rafi? What are we talking about today? International queerness. Absolutely, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so today... <laughs> Hey, y'all. So today, <laughs> yes, we're talking about the experience of queerness, of course. And that's a subject we talked about a lot on this show. Uh-huh. But 
we want to talk about in an international sense and really thinking about what does it mean to be globally minded as an ally. And sometimes in, I don't know about you, but I've noticed in the American queer experience, you know, we just get so focused on, number one, white gays, then other gays, mm-hmm. and then lesbians, and then, you know, there's mm-hmm. trans people all the way at the bottom, and then we don't even consider any other gay experience out, at least out of our own. Period. Like, at all. Like, the most uh, moving gay experience right now for us as, like, a pioneer or something, or like the milks of the world, or like Harvey Milk, not milk from the. Oh, but, right? <laughs> but you know, just the milk the one does. that died. Who, the, the one that died on the fence. What? The one that died on the fence. That's another one that like a lot. Who of died like. on the fence out here? <laughs> not out here, but um, the the white gay, the one that. Oh, you mean the Matthew Shepard story? Matthew Shepard. Oh, like, you mean recently? No, I'm just saying that those are the compelling stories of like. Of like, oh, you know, rejected from home, the possibility of getting beaten. Those are the like the stories that we get, we empathize. That's why I mean, I'm not throwing Jesse Smollett under the bus, but that's kind of why probably he leaned into that storyline was because again, that's a, such a common expectation for our story. Right, line. you know, except for Holiday Heart for you know Black Americans who have BET subscriptions, um, we really haven't seen. We had Noah's Ark, I guess. <laughs> Noah's Ark, but you know. Uh, uh, you know, but do we see queer representation in general before we get to a national sense? I mean, if you're a Shonda Rhimes fan, like most American housewives, um, right? If you're watching Grey's Anatomy, watching How We Get a Murder, right? There's always some so gay couple. Yeah, but that's still gay. Like, yeah, it's never heteronormative. Yeah. It's heteronormative gay. Sometimes it's like a little interracial because, you know, that's they could all, hot, right? It's passing, it's <laughs> passing, it's hot because it's passing, the guy's passing. I, like, Real, real talk, I never related to a single gay character that I grew up watching. And I you watched, a, again... You weren't a Jack from Willing... Are you a Willing Grace girl? I was a Willing Grace, but I didn't relate to them. Because, that, again, they were white gays that were privileged, living in New York City. I was Gitty. living... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of all... First of all, I'm yeah, I am skinny. I am skinny. You You're right. Thank you for thank you for bringing that up. I've lost twenty pounds. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, she's skinny. Um, because, but honestly, because uh, of how the gay society works and body standards, <laughs> that's why I lost twenty pounds. Um, if we want to bring it back to the conversation, but I do think, like I said, we talked to. Um, First of all, we already talked to Jamie. He's an international queer person. Mm-hmm. And we talked to Sabina. Sabina. Uh, I didn't know who you were saying. Something. Yeah, we talked to Sabina. That was great. Who was also an international female experience. So, you know, y'all, we're just in the international mix. So, who is up next? Amr. Yes, from Egypt. A queer person from Egypt um, who's now living in this country. And we really wanted to focus on these stories because... As Americans, you know, there's a stereotype about us in the world, and it's true. We are a little self-centered, and we kind of mm-hmm. don't think about anything else when, obviously, a whole other world is looking at us, right? So I'm glad you brought up the idea to interview Amr, because... Thank this, you. I like compliments. You're welcome. Um, I Because I met someone in a hostel back in uh, New York. I love that movie. And it was Hostel 2 and 3. How many sequels was it? I don't know, but I know someone got tied up that night. Oh, yeah. Did you did you also get tied up in a what's a hostel for those of us who have <laughs> like myself who have never experienced that? Can we go into that? Um yeah, I'll uh, break away from my story to talk about your classism. <laughs> um, <laughs> um hostels are these uh like like dormitory sized uh hotel rooms where you stay with multiple people. I've probably me and Dallas have stayed at a lot of hostels. 
And I think the most you'll stay with is, like, nine people. But, like, you can also have the opportunity to stay with just, like, one other person that could be a stranger. Or you can buy a one, like, just a regular hotel. This, this would be very basic, though. Sounds, sounds like a good way to meet people. No, um, but it was a great experience. And, I uh, and again, I got to uh, meet this international queer person from Egypt where he definitely broadened my perspective as far as my queerness. Um I definitely had, like, some rough points in my childhood, but never to the point of where I would have to leave home or leave my family or whole culture identity behind right, right. to I continue mean, something about me. You know what I'm saying? We talked about, you know, Trump America and, you know, when he got elected, if all these people were to leave. You remember that? That was the most annoying thing. I want to be... I wanna, yeah, cut, I wanna, the, cut the British accent. Yeah. yeah. Be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be you. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I was saying... <laughs> I want to go in and out, y'all, this episode. I don't know why. I've just been watching a lot of Drag Race UK and playing Pokemon Short and Seal, which was in, you know, set in the UK, and I just really like doing bad accents. Um, but like I was saying, in <laughs> Trump 2016, people were posting, you know, we're going to move to Canada, we're going to leave the country, he gets elected, all this really classes stuff, right? Because yeah. it was only people that could afford to do that. But yeah. they still didn't leave. They didn't leave. Um, because it's never that bad, right? We're we're in an abusive relationship with our own country. Like we're <laughs> like we hate it, but like we're not gonna leave because we've had so many privileges just by being in this country. Um, we uh, we were talking on the way up here, and I just brought up to you like, yeah, like I said, we're people of color in this country where we are underrepresented. We're not uh, fully seen as human beings sometimes, and we're not treated as human beings sometimes. However, I've never been that uncomfortable here to where I'm gonna actually pick up and move because again expression is free here you again just the result or the criticism that comes with that uh, expression is not always guaranteed to be positive but you are free to express yourself here and over there in egypt or in other countries where homosexuality is not even like respected as a lifestyle not legal not legal you could be like killed or just like imprisoned for it and so you have to really think about how much of layer of oppression that adds. Right. I'm really interested in how the media represents this. I like to take in... I don't know if you know this about me. I've taken in a lot of indie movies, a lot of, right... Uh, mm. What's it called? What's a small film called? Not indie. What's it? Independent movie. Independent films, That's right. That's what indie stands for, though. Is right, but I wanted to say the full title. Okay. Um, so I'm really into independent movies, right? And oh, was, clearly. Because you know what they're called. <laughs> right? She has a Sundance subscription along with her Disney Plus. Oh, my God. Is there a Sundance subscription? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there is probably, but you probably um, don't. No, I, especially when I was like in college, right? Because I spent a lot of time alone. Um, so I always watch like international queer films and see how they did it so i watch a lot of subtitles watch a lot of sh- uh, shows like shank which we need to watch that was the remember short bus but like shank is there penetration in that movie too uh yes oh my god but it was like really weird because it's about you know how this person was struggling with their queerness or grandy cole which was like this whole inner inner racial relationship and like classes thing because like a guy who's bisexual and his girlfriend was like well if we can both get this guy We'll see who's the winner. But he ended up with the guy, but he was also like Indian. And then in France, there was already so much racial disparity. So it's talking about that. I play video games where you can be homosexual, but like if you're born in Nigeria, then they're like, hey, it's a warning. If you date this person, <laughs> you might get killed or in prison. Um, which kind of just raises an awareness in those in those senses. But I think it should be more than that. I mean, we're talking about general senses, but how much in our education, um, just in our age group, but just in general, 
our kids getting? I mean, we're finally seeing maybe one city in the United States that teaches LGBT studies at this point in high school, right? Yeah. Um, I think... Mm, I don't even know if that's... I know that education... We have the... the, the I think there is more of an exposure that I we did not get in our childhoods now more than ever because, I mean, even Disney Channel just had a gay character on one of their shows. They had Arthur, right? Mr. Ratburn got married. Yes, that and was they, a big like, thing. They, 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 Alabama, <laughs> girl. It wasn't even that big a deal. But, to like I said, I think that that's going to start, at least slowly start the conversation and hopefully accept the acceptance. But going back to our past episodes and our first original monologue, I think that those kinds of behaviors have to start being broadcasted in the media as negative and abusive as well to their kids because how fundamental is it and like i said i've seen people in my family who have fully embraced me still react kind of aggressively when they've seen their son put their heels on or you know what i'm saying or start showing feminine sides that's still kind of a norm for our culture and how can we like um start like I mean, the language. I was I was recently home for a bit, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, the language is hilarious. Like, even with my own mom and just family. I remember this one guy I went to school with. He's married now. He's having twins, right? And he was like, oh, him and his friend look. I'm like, you know that's his husband. Please call me. <laughs> I had to call people out out here. I was like, please stop. I like, I mean, but it's like you're just embedded in their language. And I don't think it's, like, intentionally harmful. It's yeah. just like... You have to make them aware, though. You have to make them aware. But okay, they also, boomers. <laughs> but they also have to be willing to accept the feedback and criticism about their right. vocabulary. They don't, they don't change. They don't change. <laughs> it doesn't change. The same thing for my family. And so, like, that has to be exposed now. And I'm glad that, like I said, I hope that now we've had this first couple episodes. I know that some family members have heard my podcast. And I hope that, like, transcends and that vocabulary is passed on. Because, like I said, we have to, we show the positive, but we can't get to the positive gay lifestyle without showing the negative and what can be just inherently pushed on us as kids, as queer kids. Absolutely. I want to talk about the reality of our world and our generation. So obviously, you know, we're all dying, all that shit, right? Mm -hmm. But with social media, with how lazy we've become, with how the reliance we've had on technology, you know, unlike our previous generations, we're not reading we're not reading newspapers, right? We're not, you know, seeing headlines around the world. How are we honestly keeping up with the world around us? How are we informing ourselves about queer global issues other than seeing, you know, when, what, new now next <laughs> and logo, and you know, post regular, an HRC post, right? But that's what I mean. And, and which comes from a, a white perspective. And that does happen a lot of queer, because, I mean, you know, who's in power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not that there aren't queer uh people you'll see media outlets like at freeish media that's not that's not people yeah i want to shout y'all out um, i freeish media what's up we should work together yeah we'll come, we'll come to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we honestly make ourselves aware do we use google and other languages do we only look at world headlines like how do we make that more accessible for our generation in the future because we're not taking in content like we used to you know what I'm saying? Like, how do we... Because right now, we are more self-centered because we just see what's on our phone. But how do we make that powerful? I think that's a... I think that's a... That's, a, like, a loaded question because I don't know where to start. And I think we've already discussed how that would be. And I think we, we just have to have, a, a, like, a mirror held to our right. country and what we've been doing and what we have still been avoiding. I think there's still so many conversations that are still being avoided. 
And I think just the conversation that I had with my mom recently, she watched a, a gay storyline and it was two white people, but she, again, resonated with it as well. And she was like, oh, my God, I just don't understand how people can, like, turn turn away from their kids for being gay. And um, I... Call by your name, honey. And I brought it up to her. I was like, well, I understand, and I understand you don't know that, but you also have to understand that, like, there's points of view where you don't fully accept, like, if I wear makeup, that kind of triggers her. And she doesn't realize how that, she, even though, like I said, she fully accepts me, doesn't understand how you she would reject me for it. She still right. rejects parts of it. Have you um, ever brought a partner around your parents? Yeah, my first boyfriend. <laughs> and they liked him, but um, he didn't know how to like, speak to them, and he didn't try to learn Spanish. He never even like right. asked questions. Okay. I have had exposure to, I guess, I did uh, spend seven months in El Salvador when I was a kid. And I will say, my experience there, as far as gay and queerness, I was still a little gay little boy. Um, but it's so non-existent to where, even in there, I was still flamboyant, but no one even, like, even dared bring that up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, even, like, pick on me for it? Never. Never. That would never happen. I was fully, like, well embraced in El Salvador by all my aunts. And I never had a problem down there. Because, like I said, I think I was a boy, and that's what they, like quote-unquote respected right right that's so weird you know we talked about our experiences here and you know the erasure of it all but you know another, in some places you know you can't yeah. even talk about it and it's mm-hmm. just such a, another level of your identity being closed yeah. off because it's not even allowed to be discussed yeah and what does that do for development what does that do for a child what does that child inherently learn about themselves and how they feel towards themselves. Well, my mom says that she, the reason sometimes she pushes those makeup and all that kind of stuff is like, cause it's, and she said it was so deeply rooted from her father. And she remembers like when she was seven, like the, when they would have the Bible read to them as they were going to sleep, it was like, not like, like fairy tales. It was gays go to hell. Don't be a gay person. So it's like inherited. And that's why it's such a scared, non-existent thing down there. In El Salvador, because like I said, and now like I said, there's more gay clubs in, in San Salvador and all that stuff. But as far as like where my mom's raised in like in like the rural areas, it's right, non-existent. Right. It's just it's just as much taboo as I imagine, as like I said, Amr had to go through. But like again, not prosecuted. I don't think. Right. Which is a whole nother. Which again raises the need for. <coughs> Just for us to share our resources as a human species and come together so that we all can have the education we so desperately need so that these all parts of the world are aware of the truths of gender, sex, sexuality, just so we can move past this. I mean, obviously, everyone knows I'm kind of like ready for us to evolve past religion, right? But let's talk about the comment that was. um, (laughs) Let's let's bring it back. Let's rewind it back because this is a storyline. This is a narrative, and we have to connect the episodes. Um, In the last episode, uh, because let's be real, international. You can't avoid the fact that international means religion, also, because there's so many different religions in the world. So you know, there's been some discussion about some of the points I've made in these episodes about just religion and and my thoughts on it, and I, I want to clarify some things. Yes, yes. Um, I definitely think, as human beings, we all should be able to express uh, what we believe in and who we are, no matter what, as long as they do not, you know, uh, affect others negatively, right? Mm-hmm. That's my main point. Um, I do 
wonder, logically, historically, how religion has been able to be so powerful, especially for certain marginalized groups, specifically women of color, since its language Mm -hmm. inherently Mm -hmm. is discriminatory, since it has been translated multiple times and thus would technically lose its true meaning. Um, And we do have proof that, you know, whoever's in power, you know, has a narrative. So you have this text that has been translated, changed all this throughout the years and still inherently is discriminatory against you. And I do get there's a group of people, there's modern religious <laughs> people that, you know, want to interpret it for good, because it is good, right? There, there's good parts of all religions, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Quran, the Bible, what have you. There, there is a, a goodness and a message of love and benevolence, and that's what we should focus on. What I want people to understand who are religious, especially Catholic and, and Christian, because I, like I said, from my experience, I my mom right now, that's still a topic of of tension is religion and she always tries to she me always too. she yeah she always <laughs> makes me like say like oh hopefully god allows this for me or like like she always tries to bring god into our conversations if i say like oh yeah this it triggers me because, because, yes, because oh my I, god let's talk about it because i think it inherently makes you I don't want to say weaker, but it, it feels like you have no control over what you can say and about that, your life. And yes, that, and that, and I just couldn't imagine following anything that would just lessen my power and your own strength. I think that's where we have these negative views and stuff like yeah. the the language and the culture is inherently damaging you, to the that you're not worth it, that yeah. you're not good, that you're not this. Yeah. Um. It, granted, it does have you want to be better, but you're striving for things that you may not even want. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, when she says these kinds of things, I, like, you know, I say, like, okay, girl, like, I'll say it, but, like, my thing is, it's such a point of contention, because my mom won't realize that the religion that has, that she, like, holds so dear to her heart is what's kind of the separation of me and her sometimes, where I can't tell her everything that I want to tell her, because she's so deeply invested in this religion. Like the opposite. And... <laughs> And I, yeah, but like I said, my mom has high blood pressure and hypertension, and I'm not trying to fuck with her health because she really does inherently like lose sleep if I tell her that I'm not religious. Like, oh wow! So it's to that deep, and that's why I don't. I I, can, I get so annoyed when people uh, try to impose their religious beliefs on me uh, because it does remind me of when my parents or my mom primarily does it to me. But also, like I said. Just because you have a positive outlook on religion does not mean I like I said I because I say I'm not religious I'm not saying that you should not be religious but the time and time again when I say I'm not religious people that are religious come to me and say you know what I'm saying they want you to be religious they tell you all the great things that it could do for you and I'm just saying they're like but you haven't even taken the time to actually listen to my perspective before you even like give me your feedback so I think I mean I, I agree again. My experience has been primary Christianity, and when I can say mm. time and time again as an adult, as a child, I think there are some good, positive, solid um, truths and yeah. wisdoms there, but the messaging is very misdirected. I'm reading a book based on happiness and Buddhism right now. Right, right. And, and, we, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you can just be happy for the sake of happy. Yes. You know, you don't have to... You know, give that power to yourself. And, th- and that is, again, why I'm not specifically, but it's not a, a commentary on Christianity or whatever. Yeah. I just think people, no matter what, should allow them to... You should, your, your belief should allow you to empower yourself and others around you and just mm. be positive in, in a real sense. And also use the resources around you. We can't ignore science. We can't mm. ignore facts. We can't ignore 
you know, the truths of the world. We can yeah. we can blend them and emerge them because we all can can really come together to make this world a better place. I don't think people like that's the one thing I wanna take home in this podcast episode because just hearing what Amr's gone through with his story and I cannot wait for y'all to hear this. Um how triggering it must be to people push to push religion or their perspective on someone like him or um or like like I said when when dealing with queerness you don't know what you're dealing with you don't know what trauma has instinctually rooted pain into that person and again for religion that is such a big topic whether it's um islamic whether it's catholicism whether it's christianity um and everything in between now um but it does sound like we should take some suggestions to interview people of faith. And, uh, I do think that we should. I do I think agree we should. With that. I do think we should because that needs to be communicated. That need, because I don't think that season three, y'all. Season three. So season three, we are looking for people of all different beliefs and perspectives. Whether you're conservative, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, I don't know. But we we did bring it up in the past episode that we do think that we want to start interviewing opposing viewpoints that kind of challenge our viewpoints because, like I said, that's where the communication can really be raw and Tommy real. Lauren, we're coming for you. Uh, <laughs> Tommy Lauren, yeah, Tommy Lauren, what you doing? You ain't booked right now because you're problematic <laughs> as bitch. Come to our podcast. We're taking all these people. Freeish Media, Tommy <laughs> Lauren. Um, what's that girl's name? The DM does. No, but we honestly, we we really want to see other perspectives and just have that dialogue because at the end of the day. Dialogue it is what is important. We we there's backlash on right now for Karamo from Queer Eye, right? Because he's technically still friends with Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary. Yeah. But Sean Spicer resigned, and you know they're on Dancing with the Stars together. And after a while, right, you don't have to hate the people just because of different um, viewpoints. I don't. And, and, I just, and, no, and, and I the just, same thing with Ellen. No, we're, just, we're about to have a whole debate in a later episode, but. <laughs> You know, I I think it's important to have a dialogue. No, we already had that episode. I think it's important to have a fucking dialogue, regardless. Um, I I that is male privilege to his roots. That is because because it is privilege, though. No, you're right. No, because Karamo. Yeah, that's what that's what people like Karamo and Ellen don't realize, and that's why when they're defending themselves, it's annoying because you have rooted. You're a masculine presenting. Uh, mostly heteronormative black gay man, and like I said, you are black, and I understand that is a that 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 there's some intersectional there's other privileges. There's, yeah. But there's other privileges there. You are masculine presenting, yeah, therefore, therefore, someone like Sean Spicer ain't gonna have a problem with you, and that's what you have to realize. He's still a problematic, problematic person, and I hope, like I said, through communication, I don't, I, I don't say that because people have opposing views that you can't be friends. However, when their opposing viewpoints hurt genetically hurt people. And you, and you don't really try to challenge those. That's where I have an issue because I said I've been friends with problematic racist people early on in my twenties here in DC, and then I realized that like by not speaking up, I was just conforming to their life, and they, I was not bringing myself into the table. And that's what sometimes I feel like happens. Don't you? Don't you agree? Absolutely, and that's why I can't wait to have this discussion on season three. It's some major special episodes. You know, we're not been getting the holidays around the corner. Oh yeah, so, so we're, we're gonna have some special treats for you. Some special guests, some musical stars, some lip sync, some dance routines. You'll it'll be great. You'll hear it. You're giving me the Gina <laughs> Georgia's mom like at the PTA meeting, bitch. girl. Come over, kids. It'll be great. So, so uh, what are we taking home with this episode? We had a lot of topics. Yeah, we did. Thank you all for listening to this mukbang of a conversation. 
mukbang of uh, accents. At mukbang accents. Because this is some southern, this is some Durham, <laughs> Bull City. <laughs> say Bull City. Durham. Yeah. <laughs> say, say Durham. Durham. Um, what are the takeaways? I would say that keep being open-minded listeners, and we also appreciate your feedback because it's how we keep growing and mm-hmm. really adding to our podcast, but being open-minded to feedback and being open-minded to the experiences of others and really being considerate, really stopping in your day and saying, what was their experience like and how, if any, are my actions affecting them uh, based on their culture, based on uh, how they have gone through this lifetime? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's how communications can be smoothed into. You have to take the person's consideration and then tiptoe, kind of, not tiptoe, but like kind of manipulate how you want to get your point across through their feelings and emotions. I'm open to communications that oppose viewpoints um, because, of course, there's a huge world with a lot of different experiences. Judging by our conversations with people like Sabina, Jamie, and Amr, it really just takes listening to their experience first before you start imposing your American viewpoints or your Christianic viewpoints. Precisely. So, with that being said, from my family to yours, thanks for listening and have a much better day. And I promise this is the last episode that she's going to have that accent. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) No, I'm joking. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, We'll see you on another episode of Wait, Don't Don't Do It. it.